trying with. Yeah. All right, guys, we're just going to get ready to go into a preaching of a word. We're going to have Daryl come up. And um, I just actually want to pray for Daryl and have everyone just extend their hands to him to pray for him. Lord, we just lift up Daryl to you, and we ask for grace as he goes into preaching the word. Lord, I ask that your words would come forth out of him. God, we're hungry here tonight to hear the word. And Father, I ask, would you just pour out grace upon Daryl? Lord, even as he transitions into the different hats, even as he shared, God, I ask, would you speak through him today? God, I ask for clarity over Daryl's words. God, I ask for unction of the Holy Spirit to come forth out of him. We lift your name up and use Use our leader today, Father. Speak to us through him. We love you and we thank you for this leader that you've granted to us. God bless him as he speaks your truth to us tonight. Thank you. Amen. Thank you so much, Crystal. I love being weak because it gives the chance for God to be strong. Amen. So, you know, I often joke around. I've been kind of chapped not to do it much. Uh, you know, I, my wife is definitely the gifted one in speaking. I'm sorry for those who have heard this from me already. But, um, you know, I believe, you know, there, there was, I went on not too long ago, I don't know, maybe a couple months now, I went on this uh, thing called the Purple Pig Tour. I don't want to get much into description of what the Purple Pig means. Um, you, you know, it's Christian, just, <laughs> that was a Christian thing. <laughs> And anyways, it was like a group of, uh, I think, 30 of us with Lou kind of traveled through California, different college campuses, just really promoting House of Prayer um, and the, the need for prayer furnaces on college campuses. Well, anyways, I say all that because I, um, you know, we kind of here at J-Hop are a small prayer furnace. So, I, I, you know, I was kind of, I guess, used by God to bring some clarity to what they wanted to start because they really haven't didn't necessarily see the materializing of of a small contingency, a small group of of college kids uh, 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 praying and seeking the face of God. So I was used, you know, just with my limited experience to just kind of bring, you know, articulation and clarity of maybe what the heart of God was for California's students there. And then I just was sharing under the power of God. You know, with me, it's a hit or miss. It's either like. It's either really good and you just get the sense of God's presence or it's just like, what is he talking about? Even myself, I'm like, what am I talking about right now? But anyways, this happened to be one of those times where it was really good. And it was just a small group of 30 of us. While we transitioned that night and we went into uh, uh, a meeting at Berkeley in California, probably about three, 400 students. And, you know, they thought because I shared good at the small group meeting with the guys that we were on tour with that, you know, Inherently, I would do the same thing in this meeting with these groups of dudes, uh, these, these groups of college students. And, you know, sure enough, Lou called me out. He's like, Daryl, share, share what God's doing in, in Boston and whatnot. So I get up. I'm telling you, it was the biggest train wreck <laughs> I think man has ever witnessed, or I've ever witnessed. Uh, so, you know, but encouragingly enough, Lou came to me because he knew my heart was, uh, you know, kind of like, what was that all about? And he said, you know, Daryl, the more you do it, the better you become at it. Don't give up. And it's the truth, guys. You know, uh, the more you just begin to stretch that muscle, it's really just because that muscle's not been worked out. And, you know, me as a musician, I try not to speak much because it keeps me safe from theological arguments about God. <laughs> so if you sing, it seems to work. If you preach, well, it can stir up the beehive. So I've done a good job through my years 
uh, you know, being very limited, you know, in terms of uh, preaching, but, you know, doing this uh, here at the House of Prayer, offering a Sunday evening service, you kind of have to, and I love it because, you know, it may not always be glorious, but I do feel that God is is, is, is forging something within me um, as I stay consistent and just preach the Word, amen? Uh, today, you know, um, we're going we're gonna to kind of uh, summarize some things that Bethany was talking about um, last week if you were here, although I see many new faces. Man, my wife just dropped it. I love, and my wife is just a gifted, gifted person. And um, uh, there's two things that stood out of what she was really trying to communicate within the message. And I kind of want to just highlight one of those two things, just one of those two things that she highlighted. And it was all about being a missional and covenantal community. As we're trying to define things within um, our ministry, this is our seventh uh, evening service. Um, we're just really, we're really just trying to lay a firm foundation. You know, just trying to lay out some some concrete stuff of which we can build um, uh, this fellowship um, uh, together and understanding what God might have for us. So, I'm going to touch upon the community aspect, the covenantal community aspect of what she was pointing out, you know, I, I love this subject because, you know, many of you know, many of you may not know, is we spend the whole week in like what we call prayer sets, they're two-hour blocks of morning and night sets that we just are, are focused on seeking the kingdom of God and then praying really just practically for our city, praying for our college campuses, praying for, you know, the workforce, people who are involved, we just, we, are, we do all throughout Tuesday unto uh, you know, uh, Saturday, th- these prayer blocks. And, um, you know, as uh, we do these things, the one thing that has bothered me the most, and really why we have started this Sunday evening thing, is because so many people come through these doors and are part of those, those, uh, those blocks, those prayer sets. But, you know, um, there's no real sense of relationship. There's no real sense of community. Not anybody's fault, it's just because of the number, I mean, sometimes I get so upset, even today, when I can hardly remember names. Why? Because I see so many of them in the course of a week. My calculations are right, as of Saturday, almost 125 people have come through these doors, and there's a good, strong percentage of people's names that I don't even know. I'm like, I have to go up and say, okay, so who are you? Because I know I know them. I see their face because maybe four weeks ago they were in the house of prayer. And, and but I, you know, four weeks a lot happens and a lot of faces come through and it gets like really overwhelming trying to remain uh, name everybody, put a face to the, put a name to the face per se. And um, you know that's really uh, part of our heart here in building this uh, type of environment. We understand that New England gets church. You know, it gets uh, the, 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 the four walls, the fellowship, of the, you know, the body, it gets it. But when you start talking in terms of house of prayer, it's kind of foreign. People are like, so, so for like two hours, Monday night, you guys gather and pray. And then you do the same thing Tuesday. And then you do the same thing Wednesday. And, and yes, we do. Uh, we do. That's what we do. We pray. We seek God's face as abnormal as that might seem to you. That's what we do. But really, to get back to what I'm saying is, our heart and our desire in this type of context, in this type of fellowship, in really, for lack of better words, a church service, <coughs> is to create a covenantal community uh, where 
I know everybody's name, where there are strong relationships, where there is uh, the, the ability to know your struggles, and you know mine, and we partner in praying for one another, that you're just more than a face that comes through, uh, maybe, uh, you know, uh, somewhere in a monthly uh, schedule or month uh, uh, um, uh, part of our prayer sets, but that there's this real sense of relational community where where we are joined in this thing together. So hopefully today I paint a good picture of the value of community. There's value. Scripture talks about it. And what I'd like to go to first is John 17, 21 through 23. Now I want to say this is a very familiar Scripture verse to all of us, and it may be a bit drastic for you to uh, think, when you think about what I'm talking about even now, to relate this to this passage of Scripture may be a little bit drastic to you, but I believe in this prayer that Jesus uh, engaged with, with His Father in regards of the desire that the people of God would be one is really the heart of God in this whole matter of unity. Um, so let's just go, let's read it right here. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paint out a couple things hopefully here well and clear to you as we read these scriptures. Uh, so just bear with me. Let's start in verse 21. I pray that they will be one just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Now I want to I kind of focus in on two words. <clears throat> First of all is the, the perfect unity. Actually there's three. Perfect unity. And then uh, the world will know that you sent me. I love that Jesus, you know, kind of side by side links uh, the, the most profound revelation that the world will ever know, and even us today will ever know the revelation of Jesus through the, through the perfect unity of the saints. Meaning that there is something that is unlocked in regards of revealing Jesus in His power through the coming together, through the unity, through the covenant of God's people. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let me try to elaborate if that's going off, uh, uh, you know, going over your head. Let's turn to Psalms 133, 1 through 3. This is a cross-reference verse to uh, John 17, 21 uh, through 23, which hopefully brings clear understanding to what unity can do and culture, in cities, and lives. Amen? You know, we so, uh, we so boil things down to some kind of super spiritual idea of what it's going to take to turn a city, or what it's going to take for salvation, for, for people to become saved and experience Christ. But you know what? I, I, I so believe that a lot of the desire for, in our hearts for revival and for people to be touched lays within the context of our unity, within our relationships with one another as a body. Not just here in, at J-Hop or this service, but the body at large. And I want to say, true unity, at the center of true unity, is the truth of the Word of God. You, can, you cannot, we see, we have plenty of unity movements in New England and throughout America. <coughs> 
but their unity in regards that we are willing to forsake the Word of God and its truth to be abrasive of somebody maybe of, you know, uh, you know, for lack of better uh, examples, maybe a homosexual. I, I can't tell you how many cases I hear of people just, uh, just kind of putting the Word of God over here so that they can look that they're in unity with some kind of people group or some kind of uh, um, uh, group that may have a twisted perspective about Scripture. That's not unity. That's not unity. The, 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 the ability to water down theological uh, and understanding and biblical truths just so we can come together and do something for the kingdom of God, it's not true unity. And that is not at all what Christ is saying here. Unity in the body must be, uh, the center of it must be around biblical truth. There, there is no unity outside of biblical truth. You understand what I'm saying? You're tracking with me. Okay. We can't compromise the Word of God just for the sake of relationships. And though, though that might be a little foreign to some of us here, I know of ministries that literally have people in leadership that shouldn't be, that are practicing uh, evils that uh, really they should be sat down and ministered to, but there's this idea that we're trying to bridge the gap between this people group or this, this sector of culture or that sector of culture. It's not going to work and it's not at all what Jesus said. So anyways, let's turn to Psalms 133, 1-3. Now remember, I'm going to jump back here, that we're talking about something that that true unity births in context to the presence of God or breakthrough. This is what the psalm says about unity. And I love this scripture. Um, it's been hacked, I think, by, by a lot of people, but um, really, let's just let's read this, and I, I hope to uh, uh, expound and bring clarity. Look how good and how pleasant it is where, when brothers live together. It is like fine oil poured on the head, which flows down the beard, Aaron's beard. And then it flows down his garments, and it is like the dew of Hermon, which flows down upon the hills of Zion. This is where I want you to just focus in. Indeed, indeed, that is where the Lord's that is where the Lord has decreed a blessing that will be available. Other translations says uh, tr say that 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 is the place. Unity is a place of the Lord's commanded blessing. In other words, in other words, when the body decides to come together around in unity around the Word of God, okay around the truth of the Scripture, when they decide to just lay down, you know, all these kind of barriers and, and, and different things that separate us, and we come together that there's a place where the Lord is, is so wanting to bring forth His commanded blessing, that it, 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 you hear what I'm saying? It compels God to do something. He says, there's unity. I have to move. And you liken that to the words of Jesus. See, Jesus in tandem locked together unity in uh, John 17. Let me just turn there for a second so I don't butcher it. <clears throat> he locked in perfect unity into the words knowledge of Jesus, into the world's knowledge of Jesus, the revelation of the Son. That this was what was going to unlock that revelation is when the body of Christ comes together in unity, that it would reveal the love of God. It would reveal the revelation of Jesus. And as we look at Psalms as a cross-reference verse, we see the same thing. 
we see the same almost kind of words used, although it, it, it has its differences, but we see this response that almost the Lord's demanded to do. And that may go over your head, but there is something when I'm in, in, in just simple layman terms that unlocks unlocks the commanded blessing of the Lord, and that's the unity of His body. We should fight for unity in this fellowship. You know, there's so much uh, division in the body of Christ. I'm not just talking about, you know, this church against that church. I'm talking about right within the church. Backbiting of the pastor. Listen, it's a hard job to be a pastor. You know, I know we all want to ridicule and say, well, they, they just don't have the fresh revelation of the Lord. They're missing it. It's not a job to be, to be admired. You know, it's a hard, hard... I have... Absolutely. I never thought in a million years that I would be here doing what I'm doing. Why? Because I always would look at the role of a pastor being like, that is a hard job, man. That's a hard job. You know, because literally we have, in culture, in our church culture, we have people, parishioners, that are just willing to say, listen, go, go get the voice of God, come back and speak to us. Pastor's all, he's all linked into family problems. He's got to go to this thing. He's got to go to that thing. He's got to work. I mean, I sat down with a pastor uh, this uh, last weekend, and he was telling me that literally, I can't even imagine this. I think what we have to um, believe God for monthly so that we can be sustained as a ministry is huge in terms of finances. But this pastor was telling me the finances that he has to believe God for in a month's time to be generated. And I'm just like, whew, I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine that pressure. And so, uh, you know, I, I want to say, you know, being a pastor is a hard job. It's a hard job. Uh, okay. So, we see the benefits of unity. We see here in Scripture, in Psalms 133, John 7, 7, 17, 21 through 23, the places of which the Lord unlocks or kind of it commands that blessing, that favor from heaven as the saints gather together in unity. We can find it again in Matthew 18, 18 through 20. Let's just turn there. In other words from Jesus, you know, again, we have, we have the, this kind of unity agreement type uh, 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 words and articulation here in the words of Christ. I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. I also tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three are gathered together in my name as my followers, I am among them. Man, that to me is profound. Why is it in prayer that are in, our, in areas, even in this house, when I think about our, our, our prayer sets, why is it there's so little answered prayer in our days? Especially according to the words here of Matthew 18, 18-20. I mean, this, these are the words of Jesus. I believe them to be true. But somehow, someway, we've got to start scratching our heads as people and say, what is going on? This is what you said Jesus would happen if two or three agree upon everything. Agreement, if they're in that place of just asking God that you will do concerning what it is they're asking for. You will bring forth that, that answer. You know, I think we so super spiritualize, you know, some of these things of which I'm talking about, even unanswered prayer to, 
you know, some kind of you know, demonic force blocking it, or you know, some kind of you know scheme of the flesh. But really, I believe that there's a there's a drastic, um, uh, you know, crumbling in the body of Christ of unity. That, I mean, that may be too practical for you to embrace. <laughs> that may be too simple for you to agree with, but I, 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 I truly believe the reasons why we don't see Matthew 18, 18 through 20 happen for the majority. I'm not saying things don't happen, but they should be happening in, in regards to these words much more than what they do. That we need to start asking ourselves just simple questions. Lord, what is the disconnect? I believe that God is looking for a, a group, a, a people that are walking in unity and agreement. And I'm not, I'm not talking just superficial. I'm talking about people that are able to get in each other's space and junk. Hey, listen, we're going to go on. We're going to read Hebrews. You should see what the writer of Hebrews says about the gathering together. That's what it's all about. It's not this superficial uh, modern-day church experience where I barely know your name. I barely know your struggle. You know, I don't even know if you're married or have any kids. You're just somebody who sits in a seat and breathes some air on a Sunday morning. Anyways, I'm not trying to be hard. I'm glad that you're breathing my air and you're in my space. But if you understand what I'm saying, I want something more for this community. I want. So, I don't want the regular, superficial. Just, you know, how you doing, brother? You know, you know. I forget your name. You know how many times I've had to say that this week, or uh, where I don't, or I can't relate to what you're going through because I don't even know what you experience as a person. I don't know the, the weight or the hardship that you experience. Listen, there's something real about this. There's a transparency that needs to come in the body of Christ where people feel more than they're just sitting in a seat and listening to somebody speak. Come on. it's it's Listen, it's relationship. It's, it's, co it's community that's going to get us through some of the most hard, complex times that we're going to face as God begins to unfold uh, uh, um, the end times. It's relationship. It's that family dynamic that's going to, to, to strengthen the body of Christ. It's that, that covenantal, relational aspect and dynamic that is going to be such a strength to us when hard times come. And I'm, I'm not even talking when hard times come because hard times are already here. I mean, flip on your television set. You don't have to be a prophet. Things are happening. Things are being shaken. Turn on Fox 25. I'm not saying you need to buy everything they say. But you can look at things and say, wow, God is shaking some things. Well, I'm telling you, the one thing that's going to preserve us in shaking is the sense of community and relationship that we come together, that we are one, even as Jesus prayed, that we would be one, that the world would see and that they would know. Come on. Are you tracking with me? Come on, this, uh, I'm not trying to boil this down to some good little Sunday evening uh, message. I believe that there's real context here. There's real meat here of which we need to learn. That we're not on the bus checking out when somebody just says something that may be a little challenging. You know what? Learn forgiveness. Let that community, let that fellowship just stretch you in the area of just saying, I forgive them. Or, or no, better yet, heaven forbid, I embrace that challenge, Lord. I embrace that rebu rebuke or, or reproof 
and I say, yes, Lord, forge the image of Christ in the inside. Use my brothers and sisters mm. to do. Mm. Uh, we, we think like just somehow supernaturally God's going to flip the switch and He's just going to... He's going to just turn you into, you know, what you need to be and make you look Lord. No, he's going to use your friends. He's going to use your 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 friends that surround you on a Sunday evening to get into your space in a loving way. Cuz man, you can hide and isolate and nobody can know a thing about you, but when you start to live day in and day out with a community of people, we start to figure out who we really are. Come on. And in that Christ uses it through the humility, through our humility, He uses that to forge Jesus on the inside of us. It's true. Come on. We, but yet we have, we have just people leaving the first time a pastor has to bring correction or he has to say maybe something challenging. We get, oh, wasn't the word of the Lord? Really? Really? Anyways, okay. Hey, listen, I don't want to be a... I'm not trying to be perceived as hard. Okay, let's go into just some New Testament stuff. We're, we're already really in the New Testament, but just some... Uh, the writer of Hebrews, I love this. Now, we need to break this like into, in, into meaning, so I'll give you a little background uh, of this. Um, there was a certain amount of division that was taking place at this time in this portion of Scripture where there was select few that were just like, you know, herbing off and deciding just like, uh, we don't need, we don't need this, we, you know, we don't, and, and we're going to just kind of check out and do our own thing. I'm just paraphrasing. Um, you can study it yourself and see it. And the writer of Hebrews comes in to bring some correction. And the problem here was that those little select few, their influence were starting to grow within this particular body where people were checking out also. They were acclimating to uh, these, these certain... Uh, I actually think that the writer here calls them out by name, not in this particular portion of Scripture. But uh, the problem was is that certain other members in that fellowship were starting to say, yeah, I think we agree with these dudes. We're out. Peace. So the writer of Hebrews comes and he kind of brings some, a little correction and really, for me, lays out what it's all about. See, because I really feel like we just we treat church or we just treat the fellowship with one another and, and this whole kind of church experience as a, yeah, you know, if I'm provoked to go. You know, you know, you know, I don't really... Or I love New England. It's the every other week syndrome. You know, there's people here that, like, you know... You know, I don't have a problem with that. Hear me. There's times I just I believe to take rest and to take just a step back, uh, you know, from certain fellowships, just rethink it, remap it out. But in New England, we have like this circulation uh, process where we're on one week, and if we feel like going the next week, we will. But but see, we miss it. We miss it, um, and, and even and even to what Hebrews is saying here of just the importance of coming together and and really being transparent with one another, really living church, really living as a community. Let's read it. And uh, yeah, let's read it. 10, 24 through 25. And let us consider and give attention and give attentive, um, continuous care. Now I want you to, you need to think about this in, in regards to a fellowship and to a church because he is talking to a body right now. I'll start again. And let us consider and give attentive, Continuous care to watching over one another. Ooh, I 
know that would stir up some demons. You're watching over me? Now the Lord watches. He is my shepherd. He is. He watches over me. I give account to no one. I don't know. I can, listen, I, maybe that's not your experience, but I, I, I have heard that from a myriad of people, a lot of people who are just like into this whole little uh, uh, you know, posture of just like, no, I answer to the Lord. That's all I, I get that, but come on, guys. The Lord uses people to help you in the process. <clears throat> and let us consider and give attentive, continuous care in watching over one another, studying how we may stir up, stimulate, and incite to love and helpful deeds and noble activities, not forsaking or neglecting to assemble together as believers. Now he references these kind of guys that are troublemakers in the church, as it is a habit of some people. Later on the scripture verse, I think he, uh, later on that scripture, I think he calls these guys out by name, uh, or uses a last name reference. I don't know. Um, by admonishing, uh, warning, urging, and encouraging one another, and all the more faithfully as you see the day approaching. So now you know. Even when I referenced last time, he's he, now he's getting into some 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 kind of end times talk where it's like, listen. These type of behaviors are going to make it easy to stand when times get tough. When, when really critical times, it, the pressure cooker's on and it gets real, there's whatever, you know what I'm saying. So we see this whole family dynamic that he's, uh, that he's talking about. I love this. Warning, urging, and encouraging one another. I love that. I love the first couple of verse. Watching over one another. There's just something I've always loved. Well, I can't say that. That's a little dramatic because I haven't. I've, I've definitely been one that kicks against the goads, you know, per se. When somebody's trying to get into my junk. I remember I was young. You know, I thought I had my stuff all together. I was doing some pretty cool things for, for God. So I thought. And, um, you know, I just had that attitude, like, you know, God speaks to me. Um, that doesn't bear witness with my spirit. <laughs> and there was just this real prideful, arrogant, you know, posture of my heart that I had at this time. And honestly, it set me up for really a uh, tr dramatic season of just confusion and rebellion and just totally, totally going the, going the wrong way. Um, but I had this man, this pastor friend of mine, well, it was my pastor, I shouldn't say pastor, friend of mine, he was my pastor, that regardless of my um, rebellion or my stubbornness not to really engage a relationship and really allow um, his voice to be a challenging voice in my life, he would always press. He would always press. You know, a lot of people had a lot of... Uh, uh, they were very critical about this man. But the one thing I valued is as much as you... Uh, as much as I kind of like just became like, you know, resistance to that relational dynamic and not putting up the walls and the whole... The Holy Spirit will speak to me. I don't need you to speak to me. I mean, that's just arrogant. Mm. I mean, listen to those words. Now, I'm in no way trying to say that the Holy Spirit doesn't speak to us and that He doesn't guide us or direct us. But again, people, there is something beautiful about not just being subject to what we feel as though is the Holy Spirit. 
I'm telling you, you can be misguided. I've lived it where I've, where I've thought something was God, or I thought that God was speaking to me about something, and I totally missed it and found myself in a real dangerous place. Pride comes before the fall in many ways, particularly in this generation. I'm speaking to some of you who are young. I want to encourage you, value relationships. Stop treating church like a buffet table, okay? Get invested. Get your life in relationship. Get it undercovering. Get it in relationship with pastor. I'm not even particular saying me. I, listen, I know there's tons of you that have already gone to a church service this morning. That's awesome. But really, when it comes to real transparency and even living this life out that Hebrews talks about here in 10.24-25, through 25, are we doing it or are we just superficially going along with our what we call Sunday morning? You understand what I'm saying? You're tracking with me. There's something that God wants to create within our church. And I'm particularly talking about this one. Because this is where we're at. This is who I'm talking to. There's something so valuable about relationship. There's something so valuable about transparency. And not just counting on what you call the Holy Spirit or what you feel the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, but actually using somebody in your life as a sounding board. I always do that. I'm always looking to sound stuff off of men of wisdom, women of wisdom who have walked... Listen, there's something precious about men and women of God that have walked years in their relationship with Christ comparative to what I've walked in. It could save you from a heap of destruction... A heap of going the wrong way. There's something valuable about it. And my, 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 my exhortation to you tonight is get yourself in there. Get yourself in to the place of relationship. Invest your life to serve something more than yourself. Come on. Yeah. I made that commitment after that whole stent, a stage of rebellion. I made a commitment to say, God, I'm going to serve somebody else's vision. Because uh, at that time, at that whole season, I was serving and living for myself. And that's why, really, honestly, that man or that pastor could never find access into my heart because it was all about me. It was all about my prophetic word. It's all about what I'm doing now. But you know what? After I experienced everything, I, yeah, I totally went the children of Israel way. I went around that mountain, which should have been a short journey, ended up a very long one. But after it was all over and the dust settled, I committed myself to letting that person come in, into my life, rub iron, sharpen iron type stuff. I allowed him to come in and I, I committed myself to serving that man's vision. It's what I live for. Now you may say that's bad. Look at the contrast of, of King David and Solomon. I mean Solomon and David. Come on, at any time, David had the favor of the people. He could have at any time probably just got some people to whack. <laughs> Take them out. <laughs> Everybody loved David, respected. But you know what? He honored what God set in place. In a lot of ways, we see that whole kind of development in our generation where there is this, this sense to be you know, obstinate towards, towards really just leaning into... You know, authority. Oh, I know. Listen, just because you had a bad experience with authority or a pastor does not outlaw or does not outrule 
biblical truth. And I hate to tell you, your experience cannot change what God says. It's just an experience. It's just a time. You know, if David at any moment started to get emotional and out of whack and just started to say, well, you know, people want me. Did you hear that word I just got? Did you hear that word I just got? Do you, do you hear the music I produce? <laughs> I've created almost every instrument under the sun. What have you done? You couldn't even fight the giant. <laughs> I have the word of the Lord. No, he honors. He's, on, he's honoring. And he allows transition to happen. And eventually, King, the, the King Saul, he, he's, he's out, he dies, and, and King David walks into what, what God had called him to do. There's principle here. There's something valuable. And just because, again, I want to reference this, just because you've had a couple bad bad experiences does not, uh, does, does not damper the truth of what God wants to do in relationship, what He wants to do through the church. The church is the hope and the glory of this nation. This church, many other churches, is the hope and the glory of Cambridge. It's the, it's the one balance that keeps things in checks and says, this, this is the hope, this is the breakthrough, this is my bride of which I'm going to display my kingdom through and my power. That's God's heart towards the church. And you, may be ha- you may be having a hard time with this. I'm sorry. But my encouragement to you is I'm 32 now. Learn from me. Because I spent about 10 years of my life kicking against relationship, kicking against uh, uh, really investing myself into a body. To the point where, I, you know, this is another thing that I see so common in New England. It's just like, I go to this group, I go to that group. I go there, I go there Mondays. I go there Saturdays. And over there, on this Sunday, I'm going to this, sun, I'm going to this group. And this Sunday, I'm going to go to that group. And then the following Sunday, I'm going to come back here. That's whack. <laughs> I'm sorry. That is whack. And you know what I believe it's a result of? I don't believe it's the Spirit of God at all. I believe it's young people being scared to really lean in to transparent relationship that the mm. church offers. That may have gone over your head. I'm not, listen, don't hear me. I'm not saying don't go and experience other things. I'm not. But if you're experiencing so much that nobody has access to you relationally, you're just an island unto yourself. You're just go with what the latest thing you feel the Spirit of God spoke to you. It's trouble, man. It's trouble. See, when you when you really invest yourself into a community, into a fellowship, like I said earlier, you can't hide who you are. I can't, you know, as I get relation, relational with some of you guys for the past, I can't hide who I am from Will. I can't. Guy, guy has bank information. Okay? Some of you may not agree with that, but he does. Buy some stuff with my card. The guy has my email, passcode. He has my Facebook. I mean, he could hack me, steal anything he wants, and get in his car and drive away tomorrow if he wants. See, I'm not afraid of that. Because I know Will. He knows me. He knows, he knows my bad attitudes. He knows my good attitudes. He can challenge me course as much as I let him <laughs> but he can and I can challenge him why because we have walked in years in community relationship where we are willing to just bear our backside and say here I am here's the real me 
This isn't the Sunday morning me, my God face on. <laughs> this isn't my prayer set me. This is who I am. Fully in my weakness, but I love Christ. Amen. See, in, 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 in that, you, you have the most beautiful transaction of two men growing together. Where I can, I, you know, he can challenge me, and, my, and, my, and believe me, he has. Thank God he has. Anyways, okay, let's move on. I will just reference uh, uh, the script. Are we, are, we, are we getting this? I know that sometimes I'm not the best communicator, but you know what? I don't come with per persuasive words tonight. I don't have them. I barely made it through high school, people. Okay? I barely. But, but uh, I know I'm amongst very educated people. Grace. <laughs> now, the, I'm just going to reference this. We, this is a popular, um, popular portion of Scripture when uh, uh, this in 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 23. It just likens the whole body to a body. Likens just the whole mechanics of this frame right here to the this frame right here. Says how it works talks about, like, listen, just because the hand's the hand and not the eye doesn't mean it's not part of the body. It's still part of the body. It just has a different function. I love this picture. I'm not going to even get into it, but I love this picture that the writer uh, paints here about the function of the body of Christ. Every part working together. You know, this city, Cambridge even, this little plot of land, is only going to experience as much as God as we're, as we're willing to come together of a body and be the body. You understand what I'm saying? If we're functioning as a well-oiled machine as the body of Christ, we can take this, this little plot of land uh, in a real profound way for Jesus Christ. But first, the body has to be the body. Not disjointed. It's every... It's every limb, it's every fiber working together, moving together. Amen? So I just, you know, just thought that was another scripture that could uh, highlight just the importance of the body of Christ. Uh, okay, let's just, um, yeah, let's convene here. You know, I don't want to take and, and consume you guys for a lot of it. Listen, I'm, I'm all about practically navigating through stuff. And the beautiful thing about Sundays is we'll be here next Sunday. Okay, to be able to take this a little further, and if we don't do it that Sunday, well, we can do it the following Sunday. So I don't feel pressured to sum all this up and to bring it home and do the old, you know, all right, play me some emotional music. Let's minister now. Um, you know, we'll carry this on, uh, but my heart is to just be able to, in a time and season, specifically in New England, where I think there is such a. Um, a decay of the body of Christ happening. And I'm not necessarily saying that anybody here plays a role in that, but I, unfortunately, as a, a man who's been ministering for a good portion of his life, I have a lot of relationships. And in those lot of relationships, I have the, uh, you know, the ability to, to, to meet with pastors and, and really get to talk with them and what they're experiencing. And the overwhelming theme that I always find in talking with these pastors is the absolute discord and, uh, you know, uh, emotionally and just uh, not in unity the church is. It's just, it, it seems like relationally the church is falling apart. 
And you know what? I don't want to see that. I know we're only in our, our seventh week here, but I don't want to see that for this fellowship. I don't want to see just because somebody had to get into somebody's space and give some challenging or just whatever it might be. And I'm not just talking about challenging things. Listen, the body is meant to love. What does that mean? I can love you. <laughs> you know, I can love you. I can, I can really join and be knitted to your heart and your experiences, your hardship, your, your successes, everything. So I'm not trying to just, just kind of capitalize on negativity. But you know what? There's a lot of negativity going on in the body of Christ, and particularly in the area of unity. And I don't want to see that for this body. You know, there's, there's, there's two types of medicines, I think. There's preventative medicine of which I would like to take, you know, and there's just this, this, the spur of the moment, give that man some Tylenol because he has a root canal, you know, whatever it might be, or an or, 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 uh, infected tooth, whatever, not a root canal, that would be actually the process of getting it done. Abe, I'm sorry. Um, but I would rather, what I'm saying is, I would rather be on the offense rather than being on the defense all the time. And the church is in a fast, uh, uh, you know, a very rapid way on the uh, uh, constantly on the defense. What do I mean by that? So it's like, whoa, 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 where did that come from? Whoa, you know, they're just in this defensive mode. I'd rather be on the offense. Come on. So here, when we're talking about unity, <clears throat> is it because we're experiencing it today? No. But I am not stupid, and I have been part of plenty church plants to know that this is something that always pops its head up uh, within these different uh, uh, starts of ministry, with these different uh, plantings of ministry. There's always this, through the months and through the years, there always comes this rearing of the head of different issues that try to get the body separated, break it down. So I'd rather be preventative. I'd rather see this thing out in the future is maybe out there, but something to be aware of and make offensive strides against it. Amen? Come on, you start living life like that, it's a whole different, whole different perspective, and it helps out a lot more. I want to encourage you. Be offensive, not defensive. That's what we want to be. We'd rather be, instead of quarreling and fighting amongst one another, we'd rather be fighting out there in the streets for souls. Amen? Yeah. Come on. Come on. Rather than trying to put out a bunch of fires in the church and the pastor be pulling out his head because he's involved in seven divorces, uh, five splits, and how this person doesn't agree with that person, that person, but he's strategizing how to take the city for God with his people. Come on, who, yeah. who wants to be that kind of people? I want to be that kind of people. We don't want to be loaded down with issues. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. We'll... Thank you. I just ask, Lord, for the blood of Christ to 